0: and welcome to Season 2, Episode 2 of Clothed Men Discuss Bare Naked Ladies. I am Ephraim Ellis, and this evening I'm wearing blue jeans and socks with yetis on them. Uh, and a tour t-shirt of the Bare Naked Ladies Hometown Holidays residency at the CAA Theatre in Toronto, which I was able to get to go to, which is a bright blue and features a cartoon version of the whole band riding Santa's sleigh across a snow globe of Toronto? It's pretty great. I dig it.
1: It is pretty great. I can attest watching you on the old Zoom there. First impression, I thought it was a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles t-shirt, but I was delighted either way.
0: And I am continually regretful because I got the t-shirt because it was the cheaper option, but they also had a twice as expensive pullover
1: sweatshirt version of this shirt, which I wish I had gotten instead. It's like an ugly Christmas sweater about a Christmas album. That's pretty awesome. And I am Chris Small. Today, I am wearing track shorts and a Krusty Burger tie-dye purple shirt from a little intellectual property known as The Simpsons. It says over two dozen sold, and that's pretty fun because it kind of matches the amount of listeners we have. So I feel like I'm in tune with Krusty. Actually, we've got 31 listeners. This is my cabana wear. It's, it's 32 degrees out today. And funny, as we're recording this, I think it was the day after like one of the biggest snow storms in Toronto in like decades. So, you know, we're really kind of showing that we are on opposite sides of the planet right now.
0: It's pretty crazy here. There was snow up to my knees, which like you'd think wouldn't be crazy for Toronto, but it 100% is, especially because like no snow has stayed on the ground this entire
1: season. <laughs> Yeah, you guys are having a really mild winter up until this point, eh?
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's almost like the climate is changing.
1: Don't know. Well, we're getting really political right off the bat here.
0: Oh no! Oh no! This week we are changing our format up because our originally agreed upon format, where every episode we would go through an album, we have run out of albums. So we have started moving into bonus content, which I'm pretty excited about. And this week, Chris and I are going to be sharing our top 10 favorite Bare Naked Ladies songs, and most importantly, the thing that we have been Sort of talking about at the end of every single episode so far, the order in which we rank the 13 albums by the Bare Naked Ladies. So from least favorite to most favorite, we're going to be telling you what
1: our opinions are, and I'm excited to hear what yours are, Chris. It's going to be fun. Likewise, as well, like Ephraim said, brand new season. You know, Ephraim says that we've run out of albums, and that's a very political way of saying. It. I'm I'm saying that you know there were network notes network interference. They said, we have to, you know, just change the format of, of the season. The whole show just doesn't work. We're going to have bold new characters and controversial opinions. We've been friends for a very long time. And now we're really just getting into a controversial and confrontational episodes. And this might be the end right now because we are definitely going to have, I feel based on past episodes and the way that we've talked about certain songs and certain albums, we're going to have wildly different lists.
0: I'm not sure that we were, but I, I am not sure that we are going to have wildly different lists. That being said, you you forwarded me your list, and I have not looked at it because I wanted to be surprised on air and have my reactions be real and genuine and go on this ride together with you. So I am excited to find out what each other thinks.
1: I read the first line of your email saying that, and I immediately closed down the message, so I haven't looked <laughs> at yours either.
0: Amazing.
1: I think I might have seen like the very first line. I said, no, no more.
0: But that being said, going back just a couple seconds to something you were saying before about, like, getting network notes and having a new season and changing up the format, one of the, like, nicest things that you've ever sent me was, I think, what, didn't you say that it was Michelle that came to you saying, like, I think, I think there's ways that you could do more episodes and, like, brought you, like, a whole list of things yes. <laughs> that you could do to continue the podcast? That was, like, the sweetest thing. I was, like, so complimented to hear that she thought that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's one of those things where, I mean, she'd never listen to this because she doesn't really like the bear. Well, not like, she just doesn't have really an interest in the bear naked ladies, but just being her husband. And I think one of the nicest things that she said to me is she said, Oh, I'll listen to the episodes, obviously, because it, it's. Me and a friend, but then she goes. But a lot of times, I'll just forget that I know you two. As in, I'm just Aww. listening to I'm listening to it as a podcast, and I go, "Oh, that's exactly what we were hoping for." That is really, really. That is also very, very great. That like warms the cockles of my heart. That's super great. Opp- opposite of my mom just saying, "It's nice to hear your voice," which one makes me bad because she's not listening to all the research we put in, and two because I realize I should call her more. Did I tell you my mother's reaction to our second episode? Was it that they're still talking about the bare naked ladies? Yes. <laughs> (laughs) Yes. I just remember the second episode. So two things. Uh, Second episode, as we go back, this is now a clip show where we reminisce about the best of season one. We really have run out of ideas. Oh, no. The network has said we need at least two clip shows in the second season. The second season or the second episode of the first season, I should say, will always have a place in my heart because we were still figuring out time zones at this stage. And I think I volunteered to do the late shift at a time where I was a household of three. And we've got a pretty large two-bedroom apartment, humble brag. And <laughs> Michelle and my brother-in-law, Ryan, who was living with us at, at the time, I told them that we were gonna be recording. I don't think they realized that the bare-naked ladies have a lot of content because they're like, Oh, they'll just talk about that one song and that'll be it. But we were recording for 90 minutes. And I think in the middle of the episode, Ryan just came out. Wouldn't say anything, but was clearly visibly annoyed because he had to go to work the next day. And oh, no. I remember, I remember re-listening to that second episode. I said, I went really quiet during the second half. Thank, Thankfully, uh, that album sucked and that's foreshadowing into my list. So <laughs> oh,
0: see again, I don't think I still don't uh, We'll get into it. We'll get into it.
1: We will. And one more thing about the podcast. Sorry, if I may, as we're talking about now that we've wrapped up the first season, one thing that I've always said. During the pandemic, because I'm in the events industry, I've had to switch jobs quite a few times. So going from place to place and every time that I have that, you know, the general, oh, what's your name, state something about you and fun facts about you. So, one of them I've started doing is, oh, well, I have a podcast about the Bare Naked Ladies. Forgetting that people know that the Bare Naked Ladies are a band, but not that many in Australia. So, people just think I was a massive pervert. So, right off the bat, I'm just, I have a podcast about Bare Naked Ladies.
0: That's like straight up going back to 1994 in Toronto and the reaction to the band when they first came out because like the mayor was up in arms about them playing at, at Nathan Phillips Square because they're like, why are we having this obscene band playing at this public? concert when they're just like a really nice, inoffensive folk rock band?
1: That was the same mayor who shook hands with the Hells Angels publicly and welcomed them into the city. That wasn't Mel, right? It was. Mel Lasson. It was Mel? Oh, jeez. The second worst Mel I know after uh, Braveheart. See, I had only recently this week because I had to
0: skip a Dungeons and Dragons session with some friends to record our last episode.
1: Thank you for your sacrifice, by the way.
0: You're very, very welcome. The party was complete Total party kill because I was gone. Everybody died because of me and I wasn't there. But because I told everyone in the group what I was doing, it was I can't believe it was kind of like the first time I had mentioned this podcast to that small group of friends. And no. the next time I saw them, one of them said, Oh, I listened to the first two episodes of your podcast. I don't know the bare naked ladies, so I mean, it's good. It's the best we could yeah. I'm not really expecting it to land if you don't have at least some investment in the band that we're talking about. But speaking of having an investment in the band that
1: we're talking about, shall we get into some listicles? Absolutely, let's get into some listicles. This is going to be good. This is going to be like a BuzzFeed article. We're going to have some affiliate links at the bottom of this a la BuzzFeed talking about how, you know, there's a man who's lived to 80. Doctors hate him. We have moved right into clickbait. Jump the shark season two. (laughs) That's what this episode is going to be called. Jump the shark.
0: (laughs) So we're going to start off with the albums by the Bare Naked Ladies descending order least favorite to most favorite the albums themselves chris i think you should go first coming in at number 13
1: coming in at number 13 is maybe you should drive
0: unsurprising
1: yep we then go to my second least favorite album which we're gonna get into after this list is done is all in good time
0: again unsurprising (laughs) from me remembering (laughs) those really lovely conversations i've had with you about all of
1: these records my opinion has not changed. <laughs> Coming in at number 11 is Fake Nudes, the second most recent album. Coming in at number 10 is Silver Ball. Silver Ball just barely cracks the top 10 there. Number 9 is Bare Naked Ladies Are Me. Number 8 is the most recent album, and maybe it's just because I've only listened to it once, but I loved it and I love talking with you about it. That's Detour de Force. Number 7 is Maroon. Maroon makes it to number 7 on my list. Number six is Bare Naked Ladies Are Men. Number five is Stunt. Number four is Everything to Everyone. Now, this was a tough one. We'll get into it because, again, the top five shifted a lot for me. But my top three Bare Naked Ladies uh, so bronze, silver, and gold. Number three is Born on a Pirate Ship. Number two is Grinning Streak. And number one is Where It All Began It's Gordon
0: some completely surprising, and a lot of very unsurprising choices in that ranking, Christopher.
1: So I'll ask you, what's the most surprising of that list, would you say? Like, Because I was actually reading it from a Word document, and so I had you minimize, so I couldn't see your facial reactions, actually. So I'd love to know what you thought the (laughs) most surprising of those were.
0: The fact that R me and R men placed so much higher on the list... The fact that Everything to Everyone came in at the top five, yeah, that surprised me a lot. But I'm yes. not upset to hear it because I really like that record. And the fact that Maybe You Should Drive came in dead last.
1: So here's the thing. This is actually the shortest, just a bit of inside baseball here, that we've gone, the, the the shortest length of time that we've gone between recording episodes. So Ephraim yeah. and I recorded episode one of season two just seven days ago. I've got a bit of time off right now, so we're finding ourselves being able to uh, sync this up.
0: Oh, yeah, really? How long has it been, Chris? Just
1: seven days. It's, it's literally been, it's been, oh, damn it! <laughs> <laughs> I
0: did it! I gotcha! I got you again!
1: You know what's really messed up is I was gonna make a ring reference? I don't even go to <laughs> one week? It's just been, oh, seven days. Nope, just forgetting completely I thought, I what band were, we're talking about.
0: I thought you were yes-anding me and drawing out the bit when you said seven days. <laughs> Oh, fantastic.
1: I should have, but instead I was disappointed with my own lack of catching on. Oh, that was great. Oh, lordy. What were we talking about? Uh, Now I really want to see a supercut of one week implanted over the ring just to dissect some of the horror of it.
0: (laughs) Were we talking about how Maybe You Should Drive was coming in last on your list?
1: Yes. So because of those seven days, I've just been listening to nothing but the thirteen Bare Naked Ladies studio albums. Oh wow. That is very
0: different than the way I've been doing this. I've just been creating my list as we've done episodes. So when we did when we did three episodes I just had those three albums in order Mm, and then i just slotted in every album that we did as we did the seasons and then i was very surprised when some things that i thought were going to stay up in like the top five slowly moved down the list as we started listening to other things
1: but cool yeah i think because going back and listening to some of these albums i was really surprised and listening to some of our podcast episodes back because I'm a narcissist and I like the sound of my own voice. I've done the same thing. Hearing some of the points that we've made, I kind of go, oh, I forgot how much I enjoyed this album. And maybe was that because we were talking about it in depth? Was it because of the mood I was feeling that week? So I decided to really go back, listen to them, study everything. And I think I'm pretty, for one thing, Maybe You Should Drive. No. Although when we get to my top 10 favorite songs, there's a surprising one there.
0: That's exactly where I was going because Maybe You Should Drive is pretty, I'm I'm spoiling things on my list. Maybe You Should Drive is pretty low down on my list, but two
1: of my top 10 songs are from that album. But then again, two songs do not redeem a whole bunch of sleepers. I appreciate it for being experimental, I appreciate it for what they were trying to do in terms of dividing writing. And, you know, the sophomore slump, it's like 80, 85% of bands. How many artists kind of come out with a killer debut album? Which, when you look at my list, their debut album is number one. Their sophomore is dead last. So... It's it, that says a lot there. And you were asking about army and our men. Yeah, because I went. My recollection of our
0: conversations it was us being as underwhelmed by the army, our, me, our men duology as we were by maybe you should drive. So I'm surprised that they are that much higher on your list, and specifically that like silver ball is below those two records. So what is it about those two records that placed them kind of like dead in the middle for you? And and specifically.
1: Why do you like our men better than Maroon? Starting with our me, I think that bank job, and I might be spoiling my list, is one of the catchiest Bare Naked Lady songs there is out there. It maybe made my top 10 list i'm very bad at foreshadowing if our podcast was in the mcu you would be like the cool robert danny jr and i'd be the tom holland spot spoiling everything
0: i feel like we trade back and forth on that one but as long as neither of us are the andrew garfield of purely on his spoiler reveal abilities
1: he's been like oh i thought you meant him as spider-man and then i was going to say something and then i went no there really would be spoilers there so i'm not going to say anything
0: (laughs) we don't know who's going to be editing this episode by the time one of the two of us finishes editing this episode that movie is the statue of limitations on spoilers for that movie is going to be far expired
1: fair i would think but and bruce willis was dead the whole time in the sixth sense
0: <gasps> so you have placed army directly above Silverball. you have di- placed our men directly above maroon i like both of those albums better than either of the our men duology so why did you place those above them
1: Army again bank job is probably one of the yeah. catchiest bare naked L- lady songs that there is It's one that I find myself constantly humming. It's one that I find myself singing along to a lot. I think when we talk about wordplay and lyricism, it's got one of the most interesting stanza structure where everything rhymes in those quintuplets. Mm. I think that Me has a lot of emotional depth to it. Mm. I think that a lot of it also might be nostalgia. And music, as I've said before, is a time capsule for me. It brings me back to times where... I just rewatched The Office with Michelle <laughs> when we were in our sixth lockdown. And the series finale, Ed Helms' character says something very poignant that resonated with us where he said, I wish you could know that you were living in the good old days as they were happening. And that mm. really stuck with me. And I think our me has a lot of, it was a time and a place. We've talked about how you and I went to a lot of concerts around that time for that yeah. era. Uh, it was right in the middle of us doing a lot of rocket scientist show. So we were kind of picking up there, which was great. Yeah, it it was just a simpler time. And I love the life I have now, of course, and everything like that. But but just things were simpler. I was in my early 20s. -hmm. And I think because of that, I listened to that album a lot. Yeah, so I, I think that's why it cracks the top 10 there. As for our men, that was probably the album of all of them that we've gone back and listened to while we've been doing this podcast the first season. It was the biggest surprise for me how much I enjoyed it. Hmm. You know, we talked about maybe not it's a fantastic song, Down to Earth is a fantastic song. I think the fact that it's the last album with Stephen Page on it cannot be yeah. denied. It's kind of like watching a movie and you go, oh, well, I hear the behind the scenes of that film was, was so fantastic, but the movie's still a piece of shit. Like, apparently the, the making of the Street Fighter movie is the craziest yeah, it's story. it's really
0: interesting. It's really weird and interesting stuff.
1: Yes, uh, cheap plug. Anyone who's interested even vaguely in video games or cinema, a Polygon did an article about the making of the Street Fighter movie. It involves people getting addicted to Taiwanese massage parlors. It involves Raul Julia on his final days prior to to succumbing to cancer. It involves a coked up Jean-Claude Van Damme. It's just larger than life.
0: Jean-Claude Van Damme has my favorite action hero quip, like even higher than any like Schwarzenegger or Stallone quips.
1: What is it? I'm the tax collector, Bison, and and your ass is six months
0: overdue. Oh yeah, that was it. I'm the tax collector, Bison, and your ass is six months overdue. Greatest line of dialogue ever committed to cinema. I was saying, thank thanks everyone for listening to our Street Fighter the Movie podcast.
1: So yeah, my point with that whole weird diatribe is that. That doesn't make an album, but I think something has to be said about listening to an album where you know it's the last time that the band's going to be together, and I do think that there's a lot of bangers on that album. I think more so than Baroon, surprisingly enough. And that's why it ranks higher for me. And
0: I think that's that's one of the. Not only because I just watched the eight hour Peter Jackson documentary on it, but that's kind of, I think, now that I, I never realized it before, that's one of the reasons that I like the album Let It Be by the Beatles so much, is because it just because it is the last Beatles album, it just has that kind of like dramatic weight of being the final thing so yeah our men and to a lesser extent our me have that same kind of dramatic weight because it's before it's the the end of an era
1: they really do and i get that they did record and release snack time after our men but that's not really in the studio albums that we're talking about that was kind of a weird side project so
0: i've only listened to one song from snack time because i was very surprised and annoyed when they started to play it because they said this is a song from our kids album like i bought a ticket specifically for the big boy concert why are you playing songs from the kids album on the the hometown holidays tour that i went to in december could no because they specifically had like kids shows as matinees on the sunday and i
1: was like no i bought the specific for as you were sitting in the front row the one kid song they played was a kevin hearn song and i loved it oh okay like it
0: was straight up about animals but i mean kevin hearn has put tracks on their adult records that are also again just about watching things in directly in front of him as well so I mean I think it could have had a place on their uh, regular records two final questions about your list because we have to move into mine I would not have guessed that you would put everything to everyone above
1: Stunt why? Stunt is a really important album I think it's sometimes overshadowed by the success of one week Mm -hmm. even while listening to that album the fact that it's the beginning track right off the bat we talked about the way that all of the tracks are laid out on that album I still Mm -hmm. think it's very good. I think that the sequencing is fantastic. I just think Everything to Everyone flows as a better album, Re, especially re-listening to E2E. I'm so glad that you referred to it by the acronym. E, numerical 2, E. And That's how I saw it in my <laughs> head.
0: You didn't have to clarify.
1: But it's funny because Everything to Everyone has the antithesis of One Week on it in another postcard, I feel, as, as I've said, which, which is a bit weird. But I think... Everything to Everyone is probably their most grown-up album. I think that the fact that it's their sixth, they were still relatively young as a band. They were still relatively new with Kevin. It's got a very mature sound, and I think that's much more in the voice of what the Naked Ladies are. Hmm.
0: And final question, which is kind of a vague, open-ended question. Your top three, Born on a Pirate
1: Ship, Grinning Streak, and number one, Gordon. Why are they your top three? Born on a Pirate Ship brings the jazz as Hell we talk about. yeah, it does. I think Born on a Pirate Ship does everything that Maybe You Should Drive tried to do. There's a lot more experimenting. There's some beautiful vocal harmonies. I think it, it contains some of Stephen's most powerful tracks vocally. Mm. And overall, I think it's great. And also, you know, just any song that is able to do a love murder ballad about Anne Murray is really uh, interesting. <laughs> Grinning Streak, I mean, I think every episode in season one, I alluded to how much I love Greening Streak. That's just a fun album. It's just fantastic. Yeah, I've listened to it so many times. There's not a skippable song on that album. I still like that I Say That Out Loud, even though I know that that's not going to make your top 10 song list. I don't hate it as much as I sound like
0: I do, being the curmudgeon I am on air. It's just, uh, It's just kind of... The first indication of a bunch of tendencies that the band has had in the post Stephen Page era, and it kind of just is a representation of those tendencies. Again, leaning into the o
1: and the trying to write a party song. So that's interesting because one of the other reasons I like it is that I was so let down and scared after All in Good Time, right. which I'm very curious to see where that ranks on your list, that it was such a breath of fresh air. Mm. It was amazing. And Gordon... Is number one because i think it's the perfect debut album i think it's right from hello city the beginning right into the closer i think it's just very few debut albums that i've heard from bands that i love have come close to how strong that album is yeah those jazz elements i think it's just it's a beautiful album and it's a fitting swan song for Andy Cregan as he ascended to the heavens. So yeah, that that is my list, how it stands. After a lot of re-reviewing things, I imagine that there's going to be a very different order for yours.
0: A very different order, but I think there are some general similarities that I will touch on after I read out my list. Speaking of Gordon, I just want to say before I read my list, I do recognize that objectively... Gordon is a much better album than where I've placed it on this list. But this is my list. Absolutely. (laughs) Several of the records that I have placed higher on the list, I don't think are as good records as Gordon. Gordon is near perfect. But I'd rather listen to those other ones I'd put higher on the list, because I'm me. Yeah, that's that's fair. So that's why. So, my list. Coming in dead last, Fake Nudes. Not surprising. Coming in at 11 and 12... 12, Bare Naked Ladies Are Me, and 11, Bare Naked Ladies Are Men. Okay. So, that duology. Wow. Second to last. Okay. Number 10, Maybe You Should Drive. Number 9, Silverball. All right. Number 8, Gordon. (sighs) That far back. Again, that's why I did the preamble. That's why I did the preamble. And Chris is going to get so angry because I haven't said this record yet. Number 7, All in Good Time. Continue. (laughs) Number six. Number six, detour to force. All right. Number five, everything to everyone. Hey. Number four, grinning streak. Number three, stunt. Number two, maroon. And number one, born on a pirate ship.
1: Okay. I can live with that (laughs) top three. I have so many questions. I'm so excited to try to answer
0: them for you. <laughs> but before before you ask me a question, the, the, the things that I saw similar between our lists, even though they are very different, is mm-hmm. that I think speaking to your point about things that you listened to when you were younger or things in like important earlier parts of your life making a bigger in- impression, the top seven of both of our lists are really front loaded with like 90s earlier records. Yeah. It's very and a true. lot of the newer stuff is in the back half. And I think that's because of that effect that you're talking about. They're, they're in different orders, but the vast majority of the, of the 90s records are in both of our, our tops, I think, yes. because of that. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I completely yeah. agree with that. But yes, ask away. First off, just a, not really a question, but just an observation, which I find kind of cool, is Detour de Force made both of our top 10, as we said that it would. Absolutely. Yeah. And you were saying that you've been listening to just like everything all week because I hadn't
0: listened to it even once before we recorded it one week. Since we had not even listened to it once, I've just been listening to that record all week and I stand by where I place it. It is just under everything to everyone in my in my ranking. It's really, really good.
1: Well, plus you got it on vinyl. So, I mean, you were holding out for that episode. So I can imagine now it's just, it hasn't left your platter. So I jotted it down as you were going through. So I'm just going to kind of look at this. So fake nudes, not surprising. I think that, I mean, there's not a lot to offer on that album, except for a song about vampires. And I know that you hated the name. So it's
0: a a terrible title (laughs) Terrible title.
1: Not surprising. (laughs) Army and Armen, I am shocked that this was your second last. I'm shocked that these came after Maybe You Should Drive. The fact that Maybe You Should Drive is a better album to you than those two. I'd I'd love to hear your thoughts on that.
0: I think I can tell you exactly why. So because we have been revisiting and reevaluating all of these records as we've been doing the seasons... So many of the ones that have appeared higher on the list are records that I said eh, that was probably okay. Re-listened and said, "Oh no, never mind. That's great." The Army, Our Men duology are the only two records that I went into thinking, "Oh yeah, these these albums
1: are amazing. These are great." Went in and re-listened and said. Differing outcomes, but very similar ways that we got there, the fact that our men, you were surprised that that came so high on my list, but it was the exact opposite of what you said, where I did reevaluate, and I went, oh, this album's going to be trash. And then I went, oh, no, it's it, it, it's surprising. I am happy that Our Men made it above Our Me, because I think we can both agree that Our Men is the much better album of those two.
0: Yes, which I think is must be the band's opposite opinion, because
1: they released them in the order that they did. But mm. I find it interesting because listening to the episode that we did on that album, we both had so many complimentary things to say about it. Yet again, even if it's low on my list, I'm doing this podcast, this this is one of my favorite bands. Yes. So even if it's in Dead Last, I, I listen to that record all the time. Yeah. So maybe you should drive just re-evaluating, I guess, as we as we went through. I know that off the bat, that episode, you said, oh, I think this is one of my favorite Bare Naked Ladies albums. So as you're telling me that you were going and ranking the albums as we were going through every episode, was this kind of the most shocking to you, re-listening to them in real time, how low this is?
0: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Because uh, still to this day, two, we'll get into this in a couple minutes, but two of the songs on that record are two of my top 10 Bare naked Ladies songs of all time. And another two of them are super duper up there as well, like probably in the top like 25. It's just the other eight on the record are so underwhelming that...
1: Really bringing it uh, that, down.
0: Uh, yeah, I bring bringing it down. It's higher than our me and our men, though, because I still think it's a really well-sequenced record. I think that it flows together really well, even if track by track I'm not as excited about it. And I think my rule just in general has been like the order in which these are placed is what am I more likely to reach for to put on yeah what am I what am I most likely to want to listen to
1: on any given day and I'd probably put
0: on maybe you should drive before our me and our
1: men I think you hit the nail on the head and I kind of want to go and back and re <laughs> re-give my answer to why Gordon's my favorite album because I gave this really fucking stupid pretentious answer but I, honestly yeah. that, that, that really is why I think yeah you hit it right on the head very articulate I think Gordon is the album above all all other Bare Naked Ladies albums, I would go back and listen to the most, and for that reason. So, yeah, this is all personal opinion, and that's yeah. there you go. We go to Silverball. Silverball made your top 10, which is out of yeah. 13 albums, I get that it's it's kind of easy. But, uh, and I mean, Silverball, I think you only put it one lower than I did. Um, I yeah. think I had an eight, you had it in ninth. So, that's kind of cool. I think that was a pleasant surprise revisiting that one.
0: Yeah, and right before we recorded, I actually had Silverball and Gordon reversed.
1: Hmm. I'm glad you came to your senses.
0: I am too, because yet again, going by the rule that I just stated, I was thinking, what would I, what am I more likely to reach for off of the shelf and put on like, no, no, I would listen to Gordon more often than Silverball. It's got to go higher.
1: So I guess that brings me to it. Gordon, it's just smack dab. Well, not smack dab in the middle, but close to it. That is... I mean, to each their own. That's the whole point of this episode. Is is it just because of that? It's just uh, the, the seven albums afterwards, you would just listen to those more or?
0: That is the simplest album. The seven albums that are ahead of it, I would probably put on ahead of it. I would probably rather listen to those than Gordon. I fully admit that Gordon is perfect, amazing, irreproachable, a classic, as an album itself and full of classic tracks that will stand the test of time. One of them is on my top 10 list. It's an album that has a ton of memories for me as well as the first record of theirs. But unfortunately, I am a big enough curmudgeon that it has enough kind of verging on novelty Jokey Boys tracks mm. <laughs> on it that I just don't feel like listening to it as often. I'm a bit surprised as it's, that it's as low as it is because I do really really like it when they lean more heavily into the folk influences and it is probably their second most folky second most folky record but yeah again in simplest terms i would just probably i'm more likely to listen to any of those seven other albums ahead of it more often and that's why i put it where i did
1: it would be a very weird thing to be offended because people are allowed to like things And this is all personal (laughs) opinion, but it does feel like a bit of a middle finger to me directly that right after Gordon, you put all in good time. It wasn't intentional, but when I noticed it, I did kind of go. "Ah." Look, we really talked about our differing opinions on the all in good time episode, and it was probably the, the most differing that we've had. But, you know, in a in a nutshell or a 30 second summary, explain why you still think that this is a good album.
0: Okay, I've pulled up the track listing. For me, it evokes tons of good memories of being, the opposite of you, pleasantly surprised at how awesome Mm. the band still was having Stephen Page left. Uh, It was like a confirmation that I was still going to like this band, despite the fact that they had undergone a major sea change. It has Ordinary on it. I love that song. That's a really, that's a great Ed Robertson country banger song. Golden Boy is another amazing song on that record. I love that one. Uh, It has one of my favorite Kevin Hearn songs, which unfortunately I don't think we actually talked about in the episode on that album because it's a bonus track, but the title track All In Good Time is a Kevin Hearn-led track, and it's one of my favorite Kevin Hearn songs. I think, again, I still think Four Seconds is fun. You Runaway sucks. (laughs) So that's not a a vote in its favor. But in general, I just really, really liked it, and I feel like, yeah, it brings back some of the folk influences. It proved that the band was still a thing after Stephen Page left.
1: I dig it. I'm definitely in the minority with my opinion i know so it was so well received and so many fans do like it but uh i mean detour to de force we talked about that that's probably we still did. clearly yeah. fresh in your mind also yeah. playing a lot it's nice to know that it still holds up though the fact that you're playing it constantly and it stays in this order for you
0: it sure does and i think that there are a ton of songs on that that are going to become like classics and favorite songs in their in their oeuvre yeah uh one of which made it to my top 10 and if you listen to our
1: last episode you probably can guess which one it is <laughs> E to E, a very good album. I'm, I'm curious yeah. about this one. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that it's in your top five, but I don't remember it being that strong of an endorsement for you. So why this one too? Why so high?
0: Yet again, going, going right back to the well of we're talking about this as individual listeners, like individual people and our, our own individual reactions to music and art. Everything to Everyone was the first Bare Naked Ladies record to come out after I became a fan of theirs. I became a fan of theirs in probably around like 2001, which is when like Maroon and Disc One came out. This was the first new record that they put out after I was already solidly an entrenched fan. And just the memories of having new songs by one of my favorite bands will always have it that high on the list. It's also got one of my favorite songs by theirs. I'm not looking at my top ten list. Ooh, yeah, it's got my third favorite song by them.
1: Ooh. Right. Another postcard. Uh, it's not
0: another postcard. I can't I can't continue that bit. It's not worth it. I can't <laughs> It's I not can't, worth it. I can't maintain that illusion for the next like ten minutes until we get to that. Yeah, and I think it's just really strong, and I think uh, it, it's really really strong, and I think I agree with you in that it's a very very mature record
1: from them. So, yeah, yeah, hundred mm-hmm. percent. Grinning Streak. I'm glad that that actually came above All in Good Time for you. I I didn't think it would because I know you're such a fan of All in Good Time. I know you're a huge fan of Grinning Streak too, but it might also just be because. <laughs> My love for that, I feel like, almost overshadows everything. am like, I fucking love this album. And you're probably like, yeah, I really like it too. I'm just like, yeah, but I really love this album. Yeah,
0: no, but the thing is, I think that if we hadn't done this podcast, I I think it would have gone lower. I think hmm. that you brought me around on that record doing this show together.
1: Yeah, it's the fact it's uh, number four is pretty good. And now let's talk about your number three. Maroon Comes in before Stunt, and then Born on a Pirate Ship, your favorite. I'd love to kind of hear your talks about the top three because those albums also were sequential too. Born on a Pirate Ship, Stunt, and then Maroon. So walk Mm -hmm. walk us through that.
0: So Stunt, I am continually surprised and I'm also kind of like, hmm, is it my top three mm. looking at it right now but that's where I placed it as we were recording the show and as I said the way I did my list was that every time we did an episode I put the episode we just did in the list yeah and every time we did another episode after stunt I said to myself do I like this record more than Stunt? And then said, no, I like Stunt better. <laughs> and it just stayed in top three. It just stayed in number three the whole time. And it surprised me because even though it is maybe their most, their second most iconic album after Gordon, I didn't think that I loved it that much. It's got a bunch of my favorite songs in it. It's got my second favorite song that they've ever produced on it. Mine too. uh, Which I'm really, oh, I'm excited to find out if it's the same one. I don't think that it is. And yeah, it just really holds together as a front to back listening experience. It's sequenced really, really well. It really refines their sound. And it's not just that their sound is refined. I think it is like the platonic ideal of a Bare Naked Ladies album. Mm. Like, I think it is, I think it's the album that perfected their sound to the most. Okay. And Maroon, similarly, is a perfect distillation of where the band was in the year 2000. They've, figured out how to be the best that they can be with stunt and just continued to roll that ball I don't think objectively it's a better album than stunt but I like it better because there's more songs that I like on it there's a couple of my favorite song no there's one song there's another song in my top 10 on maroon and it's got some of my favorite story songs on it it's got conventioneers it's got sell 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 it's got it's got tonight is the night which is I think one of their darkest songs yes go (laughs) home is fantastic in that, like, fun Beatles-y thing, I think that Too Little Too Late and Falling for the first time are some of the best singles they've ever put out. Solid gold across the board.
1: I think, and and before you do that, because I think that's a very good point that you talked about, and I want to touch on that, Maroon, the distillation of them after Stunt. We talk about how you go from something perfect like Gordon to an experimental mess in Maybe You Should Drive. Yeah. (laughs) Stunt's kind of almost, it's not a do-over, but it's more, it, it gave international recognition, so you could kind of look at that as as a debut album from a band worldwide yeah. where that's the album and one could argue that maroon was probably more pressure than maybe you should drive on them like that's the sophomore album yeah. of their biggest hit and i think you're completely right i really like maroon like it is in my top mm-hmm. 10 it, it's it's not as catchy and there aren't songs that i would go back to as much but i think you're completely right i think that it it says a lot to follow up an album that was as big as Stunt and do it so well.
0: And Born on a Pirate Ship comes in as my number one because, again, really, really personal reasons. It's the first CD of theirs that I bought. Mm. It's the first one that I had on heavy rotation in my Discman, not spoiling 10 minutes from now. It has my favorite song of theirs on it, my number one favorite song of theirs. It's got two of my top 10 are from that album. And it's got the most narrative specificity of all of their records. It's got the most story songs on it, and that's the thing that scratches my itches. It's their second most folky record after Gordon, and I'm a big folk rock fan, so it really hits that place for me. And it really holds together front to back as a listening experience, even if there are some songs that I think are duds on it. I just really love listening to it front to back for the full 51 minutes and 39 seconds. Can you tell I have it open at the other room <laughs> so I can remember all of my feelings about all the songs?
1: I love the producers of the album. Michael Philip Woj-
0: Wojewod, whose name I think we were mispronouncing that entire episode, but that's okay.
1: And we have posters of him on our wall, which is sad. We should know his nice. name.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, so that's why it's my, my number one.
1: That is... A very, you know, I can I can stand your number one. And clearly that, you know, that probably means a lot to my opinion. But no, that's, uh, he said sarcastically. And, and I can stand yours despite the fact
0: that I'm an idiot for placing at number eight. And I am aware that I'm an idiot that I placed Gordon at number eight. It's, it, it's it's a classic.
1: It's, again, personal. And I kind of respect the way that you were doing it, too. If you were going and doing it as we were going back to the albums, you started with Gordon. So the fact that you're listening to everything and that kind of shows objectively okay our first episode we recorded was Gordon everything there I could see you going oh okay well this is not nearly as good as Gordon but this is higher so I think that's a good way of looking at it and I can respect the reasons that you put it there Gordon's also a very long album too and so is Born on a Pirate Ship but Gordon's it's over an hour. So I think that that's also tough too, in terms of replayability. Yeah. I do love it, but yeah. Wait, Gordon is over an hour? Yeah, it's a long record. That's crazy too, because that was originally released on cassette.
0: And I'm pretty sure that like physically you could only fit 60 minutes on a cassette. Yeah, So it's like, like did they
1: cut anything? We're... Maybe? Cause I know yeah. that box set on its own is over five minutes. Blame it on me. Like a lot of songs are just over the four minute mark. So it's, yeah. it's interesting that way. That was fun. That most definitely was fun. And folks, that is how we feel about
0: the Naked Ladies discography. It's the whole reason that you started listening to this podcast in the first place.
1: And we foreshadowed it so many times. It was a teaser at the end saying, where does this fit in? And now now we've got it. It's recorded for posterity. We can't take it back.
0: Can't take it back. No. We can never change our opinions.
1: Opinions never change about anything. And that's just the the way the world works. I'm sorry, kids.
0: We can't take it back. Eh. It's not on my top 10 list. Speaking of foreshadowing in top ten lists, ah, Chris. Yes, it's that time for our second
1: list. Second list of the episode.
0: Christopher, from your least, fa- from your, uh, I guess they're all your favorites because it's your top ten favorite bare naked lady songs. But your top ten favorite bare naked lady songs from number ten to number one. Lay it on us.
1: In order of uh, warmth in my heart. Now, this was a tough list, and I might have cheated at number three, <laughs> but. I've also got a caveat for that one, so that's okay. But number 10 off of my favorite album, it's Blame It On Me from Gordon. Blame It On Me from Gordon.
0: If all else fails, you can blame it on me.
1: Number nine, I alluded to it before, Bank Job. And I don't need it to Bank Job is number nine. Again, just I, I go back and listen to that song all the time, and and in my head and in audio form. Number eight is Brian Wilson.
0: A right like well, uh,
1: fantastic single. Uh, number seven is Too Little, Too Late. Oh, too little, too late? Love that song. Uh, number six, Break Your Heart, off of your favorite album. Just Number 5 off of everything to everyone, it's for you.
0: I have saved everything else for you.
1: Number 4 off of Grinning Streak, my second favorite album, it's Smile.
0: Smile, won't you, won't you smile?
1: Number 3. Now this is where I might have cheated. I have What a Good Boy?
0: What a good boy, what a smart boy, what a strong boy.
1: I absolutely love that song when off of Gordon The live version off of Rock Spectacle, I think, is the superior recording, and it's the one that I think about a lot more. I also had Lovers in a Dangerous Time here.
0: Lovers in a Dangerous Time
1: which is a cover of the Gordon Lightfoot song. I don't know if that's a disqualification because that is actually not on any of their studio albums. It's off of Disc One, All Their Greatest Hits, because it was originally recorded for a tribute album, Kick at the Darkness, for Gordon Lightfoot. If so, what a good boy.
0: I don't think that Lovers in a Dangerous Time is breaking any rules, but if I'm not mistaken, it was Bruce Cockburn.
1: It was Bruce Cockburn. You are. I'm a bad Canadian. We're going to edit all of this out. <laughs> no, we won't. We have to keep it in for my shame. Uh, this is why I had to flee to Australia.
0: <laughs> no shame. No shame.
1: <laughs> number two is off of your favorite album. It's The Old Apartment.
0: Walking to the old
1: apartment. Yeah! Second favorite song by the Barenaked Lays. And number one. The number one song of theirs is off of my least favorite album, Life in a Nutshell.
0: In a nutshell no
1: it is the absolute worst album of theirs, maybe you should drive, but it is my absolute favorite Bare Naked Lady song.
0: Which we had talked about before. Yes. And I had recently re-listened to that episode. And so I knew that that was coming. And yet I forgot that that's the album that was full of.
1: And I remember when we recorded that, I said, it might be in my top three favorite songs. And going back, because again, this was very hard just coming up with just yeah. 10. Uh, but that's yeah, that's my top ten. Yeah, so I don't have a I don't have a lot of
0: questions, but I have some questions, and I am also surprised because again, we've been doing a lot of foreshadowing in this episode that there is very little overlap on mm. our lists. So I think we're both gonna have some questions for each other. So blame it on me. Yes. Why? I think that's I think that's my only yeah. Why? Because yeah, it's a good song, but
1: again, I just it's replayability. I listen to that song a lot. I also think that that was the first song I listened to of theirs that I recognized how good Paige and Robertson sing together, the harmonies, when it gets into Ed Robertson's verse, second one, and then they're both doing just vocal harmonies. It blew me away the first time I heard it. And I think it's one of their more serious songs. It's a very somber tone, but it's also not as... Holy shit, we're talking about domestic abuse and really like 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 the flag, right? This is just more like, oh, this is this is an argument between lovers, but it's not an argument between two people who should not be together and they should seek help. I feel like it would be like a weird flex
0: as to uh, like how intense you are if you put the flag on that top 10 list. Like, look how dark I am. I'm really into drama.
1: I don't judge people by their taste, but if someone told me that the flag was their favorite Bare naked Ladies song, I don't know if I'd want to be friends with them.
0: I'd be just more worried about my fl- friendship if I was worried, but th- if, like, if that was on your list, I'd be like, Chris, you doing okay? You doing all right? Number nine, Bank Job came so close to being on my list. Mm. I love this song, so I don't really have any questions for you about why you like it, because I think I know why you like it. So yeah, Ber- Bank Job and Brian Wilson, like Brian Wilson,
1: unreproachable, absolute classic, unreproachable song. Anyone who is listening who's not from Canada, because it's very interesting, a lot of people, I think the Canadian version of the Bare Naked Ladies, you see them in concert, the songs that get played on the radio are, a, it might vary slightly from other places in the world. Brian Wilson was a big hit, well, big hit. It was a minor hit in America as well, but mm-hmm. you go to any Bare Naked Lady concert, they are still playing that song. It is one of yeah. their most iconics. And I would actually say, honestly, if I had a million dollars, one week in Brian Wilson are probably the songs that they will yeah. play in every single concert because they're the songs that are biggest in Canada, I'd say.
0: And it's also, now that I've been to a couple more shows in the like over a decade since the split happened, it's not as weird to hear. Ed Robertson sing that song now. yeah. And I kind of want them to like they should re-release they should re-release that as a single. Guys, if you're listening, Ed, record Brian Wilson with you singing it. <laughs> put it out there as a single. Put it out as a 7-inch. Like press <laughs> it on but like dude, people would buy that. Too little, too late. I already said I think this is one of the best like
1: the best singles that they've ever they've ever said. That's your number 7. I agree. Anything yeah. else about it? Um only song that made it off of Maroon, but I think I agree. I think it's an amazing opening track. And yeah, I think I think it's very, very good. And it was one of those where you breathe a sigh of relief. Or not a sigh of relief. You just kind of go, oh, good for them. Because just right off the gates of the album that followed Stunt, you're going, "Ah, oh, they're, they're coming in strong.
0: And Break Your Heart, I imagine this is because it is, like, the best technically that Stephen Page's voice has ever
1: been on recorded media. Yeah, God, we touched on this a bit. Like, it, it's, yeah. it's the best, but also not technically the best. Like, if you were looking at, like, it breaks. It's rock. Yeah. so so like from a singing perspective but from a pure emotional like we talk about storytelling in song we talk about yeah. acting in songs this is yeah. the first time you hear that where he warbles and he cracks and I mean I think we spent a good five minutes talking about that on the Born on a Pirate Ship album but mm-hmm. I mean I will listen to the song I'll get goosebumps every time oh, so good And I love that song because, again, I didn't notice the
0: flip in who's speaking, like that there's two parts in that song. There's the guy talking about breaking hearts and then there's the person he's afraid of breaking the hearts of who's like, "Uh, get over yourself, pal. Still one of my, I, I still think one of the best like pieces of like use of poetic formula and like subversion of that. Oh, I love it. For you, I have like a runner-up list of like my favorite songs for you should
1: be on my runner-up list.
0: Excellent choice, excellent choice.
1: I think up up until that point, it's probably the most country they've gone.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Like you had country bangers prior to that, but just the intonation of his voice, just everything in terms of even the lyricism of it. And I think probably my favorite song off of Everything to Everyone, which is why it's on this list, but it's just, I love that song.
0: Number four, Smile came in at number four for you. You. This is going to be my question to you yet again. Why? I'm like I'm I'm kind of underwhelmed by that song, and I don't find it terribly memorable. Sell me on it. Why is it in come in at number four of the whole uh, discography?
1: Personal memories, definitely personal memories. I saw the Bare Naked Ladies mm-hmm. twice with my mom. The second time that we saw it, I remember she was crying oh. a lot during that song beside oh. me, just talking about how the perspective of of life again. It's very much being present when we were young, how things go go quickly. I think it's a very intimate song. I think it's the song that when they play it or when they did play it at concerts, it would be the four of them around Ed and yeah. his guitar. I, I think it's a beautiful song. I think it's very, it's not, it's just earnest. It's very, very earnest. And I think it's, yeah, it's just got a lot of, sentimental meaning to me.
0: And I don't think you broke any rules having a co-position of what a good boy and lovers in a dangerous time in your number 3 except I got the original artist wrong.
1: <laughs> I apologize to Bruce
0: Cockburn. Let me start again. I don't think having either of those as your only choice in that position would have been breaking any rules, but the fact that you have that number 3 spot occupied by two songs. I don't know about that. I think maybe blame it on me needs to be kicked off the top
1: spot. If that was the case, then I would say if you concede Lovers in a Dangerous Time, then yes, Lovers in a Dangerous Time would be number three. Cool. And then I think everything would be pushed down and blame it on me gets gets kicked off. Oh,
0: well, why did we waste that like forty-five seconds talking about that song? Honorable mention. I because it wasn't on any of their records, we didn't really talk about Lovers in Dangerous Time. I it's it's a fantastic B-side bonus track. Sort
1: of a thing. Chris, why is it your number three? I think the very first Bare Naked Ladies album that I received, and much like you, the first one I bought was Born on a Pirate Ship with my own money. But I was given disc one all their greatest hits in 2001 when it came out when I was in grade nine. And Lovers in a Dangerous Time was on that. And much like I said, blame it on me, which is no longer on my top 10 list, is <laughs> has, those be- has those beautiful vocal harmonies. Lovers in a Dangerous Time was the first song that I went, oh man, Stephen Page is an amazing singer.
0: Yeah. Because the very
1: end where he goes into the bridge, yeah. it's beautiful. The pianos are amazing. So that's the first time. And I was... St- studying piano at the time, so kind of hearing that, I went, oh, wow, the piano can be a rock instrument, because I'd never heard of a guy called Elton John, apparently, (laughs) and so I was like, oh, okay, but (laughs) Kevin Hearn, what a pioneer, (laughs) so it was... Oh, that's perfect. No, I, I just think it's a beautiful song, and with respect to Bruce I've already alienated him because didn't even know it was him who was saying it I think that they just it's it's one of the rare times that a cover is better than the original
0: and I don't think just because we're fans of Bare Naked Ladies over Bruce Cockburn I don't think that that it's that's the only reason why that we think that I think listeners please write in and give us our first hate mail I think <laughs> I think it is it is known that the Bare Naked Ladies cover of Lovers in a Dangerous Time is the now like the classic version of that song and has yes. supplanted the original in like importance in numbers of recordings. Yeah, I don't have any questions or skepticism about love uh, sort of about uh, what a good boy great choice yeah a yeah very fantastic yeah. song and that's um and that's number four as opposed to no, i'd number say three so. is lovers
1: i'd still say lovers sweet. yeah definitely is number three sweet
0: the old apartment comes in at number two and again again spoiler alert this is the only song where we have any overlap on our lists
1: and based on what you said in your again maybe spoiler alert i have a feeling i know where this ranks for yours mm. but possibly i think i might surprise yeah. you again all right. Yeah, we'll see. It's it's just an iconic song. Mm-hmm. It's it's perfect. It's it's really really good. A lot of people are, are think that one week is how they made it in America. This was their breakthrough song in America. Mm-hmm. It was on the Friends soundtrack, I think. Or no, no, sorry. It wasn't on the Friends soundtrack. Shoebox was. Yeah. But Jason Priestley on nine hundred two one zero directed the music video for Old Apartment. Just because he was a fan. And, I mean, God, we talk about story songs. I mean, Ephraim, that's your jam. This is a really scary song until the end where you go, oh, phew, it's okay. He's not stalking her. And yet again, what a twist. (laughs) I remember playing this for Michelle and I said, "Sad, this is brilliant about it. She's like, oh, yeah, I can see what you mean. But he still broke into someone's house. He's still not a good person. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah." (laughs) But like you're missing the point. <laughs> there are extenuating circumstances. He wants them back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, uh, and I said, but his partner's okay. She's like, yeah, but are, are the people who live there now... <laughs> And also, how did he recognize, I don't think this has came up when we talked about the song
0: originally, how does he know, I understand how he could recognize that the new owner of his apartment, it's the same dish rack, but how could he recognize an individual mouse trap?
1: It's a very good point. It doesn't
0: make any sense to me.
1: And I'm also a sucker for, I'm a massive fan of wrestling. It's kind of the equivalent of like when a wrestler comes out. I have out. no idea where you're going with this. Please tell me what you're it's the equivalent of when a wrestler comes out and you're at a live show and they go, and I'm going to beat you tonight right here in Toronto, Canada. And everyone goes, yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, just that the, the Danforth reference?
1: Yeah. So every time it's the Danforth, you go, yeah, that's where I'm from. It's, it's it, in wrestling terms. It's called a cheap pop. Like it just makes you go, oh, yeah. But it, it works every time.
0: So quick. Oh, this episode is going to be so long. Quick anecdote before you tell me again, because I know the answer why your number one is your number one. So, before the second cancellation of all live events happened in Toronto again, the other concert I saw, uh, in addition to the Christmas Barnegate Lady show, is I went to go see an Alan Doyle show, which was oh, yeah. awesome. But I rolled my eyes at that cheap pop. I can't remember what song it was, but like Alan Doyle does so many like traditional songs that have place names in them. So, there was some like one of his most popular songs, he just replaced it with Toronto in mm. the thing. And I just like, Everyone went nuts in the audience. I just went, you're all sheep. How are you so easily won over? Come on. And then secondly... One of the bonus tracks on his first album, Ed Robertson did co-vocals on Hmm. because he co-wrote it, which was kind of cool. And he hadn't played that yet. And they got to the encore and I was like, Ed lives just down the street. I'm at the Danforth Music Hall. I wonder if he did. And suddenly Ed Robertson comes (laughs) on stage just for the encore, sings the lead vocals of that song. It was amazing. But he was wearing that stupid giant hat with the cutout in it that he's wearing in all of the promotional photos that I'm like, "Oh yeah, Ed, why are you doing this weird gorgeous? Downey thing. I
1: don't like it. Oh, man. And speaking of Gord Downey, to jump onto that, the Alan Doyle cheap pop reference, if we're, if we're going to yeah. do this, the, the two times that I have seen The Tragically Hip, uh, that I was lucky <laughs> enough to see The Tragically Hip in Toronto, they played Bob Cajun, of course. And that line where he goes, that night in Toronto, and everyone screams. <gasps> but... <laughs> Which is funny because you listen to the lyrics. It's about a Nazi rally that the police were breaking up. So we're cheering for just, you know, police riots. Uh, but that's okay because it's, it's Gord Danny.
0: <laughs> Yet again, getting back to what we were talking about this episode. Chris, I remember why Life in a Nutshell is your favorite Bare Naked Lady song. But for our listeners who might not remember like 12
1: episodes ago... Why? If you don't remember 12 episodes ago, well, first, thank you for being along for the ride. And secondly, it's the perfect love song to me. That's why I say it. It is the ultimate song that expresses what love is to me. Just lines like, it's not sappy. It's not even sentimental. It's upbeat for one thing. A lot of love ballads are in minor keys and they're more about pining. This is about celebrating what love does. It celebrates domestic simplicity. When we're happy, we both get fat, (laughs) which is a great line as in, and not like we're letting ourselves go. It's we're comfortable around each other. Mm-hmm. and I think about what I've got with my wife and it this just kind of encapsulates that for me it is also a song that I am very very upset I've never heard live once yeah I know that the only time they busted it out in recent memories and this is still when Steve was with the band so I say recent but still 10 years ago was their ships and dip tour yeah which was their cruise ship that they did since then nothing and I don't think this is going to be one of those songs that the four piece is going to come back to so I think I've missed my chance but I favorite bare naked lady song of of all time. I think Ed's voice would work pretty good for it though. I think it would too, especially since he's, his, his vocals have matured a lot, or he's not scared in terms of just taking risks now. Chris, there's not a lot of overlap, but I
0: respect all your choices and I think they're all good ones.
1: Well, in that case, let's get into yours and let's see this lack of the overlap here.
0: So coming in at number 10, one of their most iconic songs If I Had a Million Dollars. If I had a million dollars, if I Number nine, New Disaster, off the new record that only came out six months ago.
1: I had a feeling that would make the top ten. There you go.
0: Number eight, one of two Maybe You Should Drive songs, Jane.
1: Jane
0: divided, Number seven, Odds Are, off-grinning streak. Struck by lightning sounds pretty frightening but you know the chances are so small Stuck number six the old, to the old apartment oh okay so what are we gonna do yeah, i think i may have up, uh, upset some uh, some expectations number five am i the only one am i the only one Loves also off maybe you should drive number four pinch me like the thing you try to remember but it's gotten then you try to Number three, testing up. one, two, three from everything wow. to everyone. Testing one, two, three. Can anybody hear me if number I Number two, can't. it's all been done off of stunt.
1: It's all been
0: done. Mm-hmm. And my number one favorite bare naked ladies song of all time, When I Fall, off of Born on a Pirate Ship. I wish I could step from this scaffold. I'm just
1: soft shopping also Okay. All right. So, looking at this list, I kind of like your opinions more than mine. What? <laughs> I'm looking... That doesn't make any sense. No, no, I'm, no, I'm looking at this list and I go, oh, this is such a good top ten list. And some of these songs, I remember going through and going, oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. And now just remembering. <laughs> and pretty much every song that you've got on here could fill an honorable mention. Like, these yeah. would... I'll be in my top 20 easily Aww. so yeah just, just comments before i i kind of ask you to break it down when you alluded to the old apartment not being your favorite song but you saying that it was off of born on a pirate ship i knew it was gonna be when i fall because i know <laughs> yes one it being a story song and two just us talking about how much we both loved that song yeah. when we recorded born on, born on a pirate ship that is a beautiful song yeah. so the one thing I, w- I would say very funny neither of us had one week on our no. top 10 list. Nope. Yeah. I, and I think that's fine. And <laughs> I, I know the reason I don't, because
0: I'm a contrarian to to my very core, and it's their most popular song. So of course it wasn't going to be on my top 10.
1: I think I'm very much the same. Yeah. I think I, I enjoy that song. Yeah. I love it. I think no, it's, it's great. also... Yeah. And we talked about how it very much deserves to be as big as it is, and it deserves to be part of their legacy. But yeah, I'm, I'm very much the same way. I'm just kind of going, yeah, but they've got so many better songs. Mm -hmm. So probably like top 25. But yeah, I just found that interesting. And you had if I had a million dollars at your top 10, that, that was one of the biggest struggles I had. So was it going to be Brian Wilson or if I had a million dollars?
0: So I, me? I have like an, another to top 23, like I have a runner's up list as well. And the thing that came in at number 11, that was almost at number 10 that I switched at the very last minute. Cause I said, Ephraim, what the hell are you doing? Of course, <laughs> if I had a million dollars is a better song. I had new kid on the
1: block coming in at number 11. Ooh. So I love that song. It's if I had a million dollars is funny because we talk about how I mean that that is one of the most popular songs. Yeah. But that that's a song that you pull a guitar out at a campfire and every single person's going to sing along to it.
0: <gasps> Which is why you would think I dislike it because again, nah.
1: contrarian,
0: I hate popular things. But the main reason that that is so high on my list is that when I was a little kid, when like my family would go on trips to the cottage on the radio my dad had like a little like briefcase full of about 55 cassette mixtapes that mm. he made himself and this is the one bare naked lady song <laughs> that was on one of those mixtapes so in addition to it being their most if not like second most if not most iconic song for me it just brings up memories of being in the car with my dad when i was a little kid and it yeah and that's that's it that's why it's that's why it's on my top 10
1: new disaster number 9 i i'm not surprised cuz you talked about how much you love that song last week i agree i think it's a fantastic single aside f- for the retail line we were not uh, a big fan of that one. Uh, <laughs> nope. I'm glad you remembered. I feel like the adjective defiant
0: is not a word that is normally applied to bare naked ladies songs. I feel like this mm. is the only song I have applied that adjective to. I love how I just love how how defiant they sound and Ed they're sounds raging in man. that song. Like it's because they're such a group of nice guys. To have them sound so riled up about something just makes it yes. land so much more. And that's why I that's why I love it.
1: it. The song really surprised me, and it's really really hooky. That's a really good reason. Yeah, I'm gonna bring in my second wrestling reference of uh, the <laughs> podcast. Very much similar. That that just kind of reminded me of of a story where I was watching a pay per view with my very very good friend Matt Peter when I still lived in Toronto back in 2015, and there was a advertisement for the next pay per view, and it was John Cena. And now John Cena is bigger than wrestling. So everyone knows who he is basically narrating a very famous literary quote or poem against images of the next pay-per-view. They did a very good job. It was the, and it shows how much of a Philistine I am. I can't remember it, but the just rage, rage against the dying light. Mm. And so it's that defiance. And I remember I started getting really choked up and then I had to go, how much pot have I smoked this <laughs> evening? And I remember it was a lot because the fact that I was getting choked up at John Cena quoting rage against the dying light for a pay-per-view commercial but very much about that that defiance you were talking about that's very funny hey man
0: i don't i don't even smoke weed but every single time yoda drops his cane in revenge of the sith <laughs> i just burst into tears so, yeah. I hear you, man. <laughs> I understand.
1: So, yeah, then then we go Jane. Uh, you know what? Classic. It's just a classic. I don't have anything else Ma-
0: to add. It's a classic. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's acoustic. It's got, It's yeah, it goes back to
1: their folk rock roots. It's got another Toronto reference. It's great. I love it. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the uh maybe you should drive has two redeeming qualities for me and it's life in a nutshell and it's this song yeah odds are you know as much as i love grinning street well I, i put smile on there it was between smile and odds are Hmm. so yeah tell me why you like odds are so much it is definitely my
0: favorite song off of that record and was my favorite song when i first started listening to it when it came out in 2010 and it's message of positivity and not sweating the small stuff is something that really hits me personally because I get caught up in a lot of little things and I yeah odds are it's gonna be all right it's a thing it's a thing to remember and that means that makes it really meaningful to me. I also think it's got some of the best close to hip hop rhymesmithy kind of stuff that Ed has ever done on it. Yeah.
1: And the one overlap we had, the old apartment. We talked about it already. You know why I love this song? Yes, yeah. very true. <laughs> Thanks, Alan Doyle. Uh. <laughs> maybe maybe I focused on the wrong part of that conversation. <laughs> Am I the only one? Look, I, I liked this song yeah. off of Maybe You Should Drive, but you really liked it. So do you want to explain why?
0: I. Dude, I don't know. Yet again, I guess, again, maybe similar to your John Cena commercial anecdote. <laughs> it just hits me. It just hits me in my feelings whenever I
1: hear it. It just, it just. Uh, I'm so glad I told that anecdote <laughs> just too. because now we've got that. Well, very similar to your John <laughs> Cena commercial gonna anecdote.
0: anecdote. It's just going to be when something really, really affects you and you don't know why. We can now just say to each other, "Ah, oh, John Cena
1: commercial yes and I'll be thinking oh yeah weed
0: (laughs) (laughs) but am I the only one as a lot of as as a really great acoustic riff from Ed and yeah I don't know why but it just makes me feel things it's uh, really really melancholy and it is yeah yeah, I don't I don't know why it just it just gives me that feeling of cathartic melancholy which is always very very satisfying
1: it makes you feel things and that's what art's supposed to do yeah yeah Um, speaking of melancholy pinch me Oh, this is one I actually am kind of sad that I omitted, but I mean, it's. It definitely is in my top 20, but um, man, number four of all time for you. Why is that? Again, memories, because Maroon was, that
0: was like the leadoff single off of their latest record when I started becoming a fan of theirs. It just always landed with me, and coming in to be a fan of theirs at that time when they had five albums out, it was already one of my favorite songs of all four of those albums, listening to it throughout high school, to the point where, oh, why am I telling this story out here? One of the dorkiest things I ever did was when I was, like, 18, I, like, hadn't, like, when I was learning how to, like, do video editing for tech class, I did, like, a edited Star Wars montage music video (laughs) to pinch me. That had nothing to do with the lyrics. It's not like I was matching up, (laughs) like, story points to go inside with lyrics. I was just making the, the shots go along with the music, but... It was just a really fun, creative thing to do, even though I was just remixing one of my favorite movies and one of my favorite songs. And I just remember, yeah,
1: I don't know. I like it. That's not super nerdy. I just talked about crying over a John Cena commercial. (laughs) You know what? You're right, Chris. We should both be less self-effacing about that. For this episode, you are the Robert Downey Jr. And I'm the Tom Holland. Testing one two three. I'm. I think pinch me and testing one two three. These two songs. I'm pleasantly surprised you're in your top ten because I I love really? both, but and, and awesome. so high up. Yeah, so high up. Like uh, testing one two three. Like your third favorite song mm-hmm. of all time by them.
0: Yeah, so. Yet again, every year since I was 19 years old, around September, I've made an 80-minute, it was originally mixed CDs, now they're more like Spotify playlists, but they have to be 80 minutes because that's what you could fit on a CD when I started making them. That's the format I decided on. And Testing 1, 2, 3 was the first Bare Naked Ladies song that ever appeared on one of those now 20 CDs. It appeared on the third one, it was track three on the third one I made when I was 20. So it obviously like, hit me at that time in my life when I was that age, and that's kind of like a... That mix CD is kind of like where I feel my taste in music solidified for the rest of my life. (laughs) Because, like, there was a lot of ska on the first two mix CDs that I don't (laughs) listen to anymore. And so the third one from 2004 is kind of where I really started, like, knowing exactly what I wanted. And I also, in my mind, the first spec sitcom pilot I ever wrote, it's the theme song to to that show that never ended up being made. But I have now adapted that screenplay that it was the theme song to, into a play that I have in development at a, uh, theater company in Ontario. So maybe I'll, you know, get them to use that as the curtain call music.
1: If you're listening to this, Ed, I'm also glad you brought that up because I was going to give you a, a plug for that because, uh, <laughs> and I'm also just imagining like young Ephraim, like next time, like just with his win amp being like, all right, it's either bare naked Liz or mighty, mighty boss tones. Oh. <laughs> It'll take me over to 85 minutes. Oh, jeez. And that's a fun We image. all made choices.
0: We all wore spiky belts.
1: <laughs> well, that's the impression I got of that spiky belt. <laughs> yep. It's All Been Done, second favorite song. It's a fantastic one, mm-hmm. but you probably have stronger opinions than that, so. So I, I heard I, If I Had
0: a Million Dollars on my dad's mixtape, and then the next Bare Naked Lady song I ever heard was It's All Been Done. Yeah, because after I heard it's a million dollars on my dad's mixtapes it's not like I was like a little boy I didn't like go out and start buying albums I think literally the next song of theirs I had ever heard was it's all been done and it's just such a perfect pop song it really really hit me and it uh, I think I said this in our stunt episode it was one of the first two mp3s I ever got a friend at school who was better at the internet because you couldn't just willy-nilly pirate music back in those days I had to get my friend to download
1: it for me so it's always gonna have a special place in my heart and woo hoo hoo. And I think the woo hoo hoos makes me laugh so much that you just hate the whoa, oh, uh, oh, uh, uh, oh, but you like the woo hoo hoos. It's
0: different. There's a subtle difference. There's a subtle, <laughs> there subtle is. difference.
1: My favorite thing of It's All Been Done, which we told in the stunt episode, but it's just such a good story off of their liner notes, was that this was their debut on Carson Daly and they decided to do this song. And Carson Daly announced Mm -hmm. it as It's All Been Good. (laughs) And Steve Page was was like, right then I knew it was all over for us. (laughs)
0: It's like that bit in, a, in uh, that thing you do where he says, and now the Oneeders. It's the Wonders.
1: I also do remember you talking in Stunt about how you love a story song and the fact that these guys might be like interdimensional time-traveling Highlanders, but it's a love story. It's a, it's a cool narrative for a song.
0: <laughs> it's all oh, yeah. Time. I forgot about that theory. I can't believe I forgot that. Excellent.
1: And then When I Fall, speaking of story songs, ah. Oh. What a gorgeous song. Yeah. One of my favorite
0: subgenres of Bare Naked Ladies music is Ed Robertson Country Banger, and I feel like this is sort of an entry in that subgenre. The acoustic riff line is great. I love the story of the song. The imagery of the song is beautiful. And yet again, it, it gives me even more than Am I the Only One? Because it's my number one, not my number five. It just gives me just really beautiful, bittersweet feelings when I listen to it uh, and there's no song of theirs that affects me more emotionally.
1: I think because I do not like Maybe You Should Drive, Am I the Only One probably is the earlier version of Ed at his most emotional, like the first time he got to be emotional, but this is definitely second and the first song I heard of him taking lead vocals that I I agree with you I'm just like oh my god like it's it's beautiful. Yeah. And just yeah and and the 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 content of
0: that emotion. It's about this window washer wanting to break out of the everyday and move beyond and become something more than what he is. And I don't know, that just really really speaks to me. It's a beautiful song.
1: I also find that your list and your albums match up in a very logical way your favorite song is off of your favorite album my favorite song is off of my least favorite album and yeah and a a song on my top 10 doesn't appear until number four from my favorite album so it's uh
0: it's i actually went back and was going to ask you wait so why are there no grinning streak
1: songs on
0: your list and then i realized oh wait no smile is so yeah there you
1: go you're still asking questions about that song but 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 why why smile
0: So, Chris, I enjoyed hearing your opinions. I respect I your, also enjoy yours. I respect your opinions. And I think that Likewise. this is... A, even though this is not a season finale, I think this is kind of a really cool culmination of this project that we've done so far.
1: Absolutely. It is not a season finale. We have... We've only two episodes in the bag. Possibly three, depending on how we edit this, but...
0: Looking at the timing, I think we'll be okay. I think those will be right. okay as one episode.
1: You as the listener tell us when this episode comes out. <laughs> was this too long
0: (laughs) (laughs) so we haven't decided exactly what we're gonna do for our next episode it might be discussing the magic of christmas it might be discussing the magic of childhood it might be discussing fun things and funny things that we saw at concerts and if it is that i'm gonna have to look up the CRTC rules about posting bootleg clips of band banter because i think the world needs to know But anything else that you need to say about these top 10 lists, Chris?
1: I've been listening to a lot of Detour de Force as well this week. And Good Life is a very good summary of their entire career. (laughs) Documentary channel banger. When he says, after 30 years, it's still a good hang, and... The fact that we're talking about all of this, it, it blows my mind that, you know, 13 albums encompassing 30 years is crazy. And again, just speaks to the longevity of the band. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited to hear what they've got out more and maybe some songs and some albums might might go higher as, as they come out. And I'm also excited to hear what we're going to do. Like you said, like you said, we've got a lot of material for the second season. It's going to be a much more personal podcast where we're just going <laughs> to be talking a lot about our experiences.
0: And listening, and again, be, because I've been being a narcissist and re-listening to the first season a little bit, Bit. I'm glad to say here that you have been sort of occasionally doing the same thing uh, those are the moments that I like the best the re-listening yeah. to stuff so I'm excited to delve more into those ideas and those uh those those feelings and anecdotes and
1: who knows for the second season I'm going to give a shout out to amazing local comedy duo M brothers the Rivas brothers who do a show called rap battles at the comedy bar ladies and gentlemen maybe we'll get Ed Robertson why would you promise something that you can't deliver ladies and gentlemen Jay-Z no we don't have Jay-Z tonight.
0: Ed, if if you're listening, Jay-Z is coming on the podcast. Get here before Jay-Z. he does.
1: It's a rap battle between Ed Robertson and Jay-Z. We may have that as an episode. We may not. So
0: next week, our guests are going to be Ed Robertson and Jay-Z. But until then, Chris <coughs> Small, where can our listeners find you on the internet?
1: You can find me on Instagram at csmalltraveler. You can find me on TikTok. I just got onto TikTok, what? guys.
0: Oh, I'm yeah, I'm get TikTok,
1: aren't I? At Chris.smalsey will be promoting some of our episodes on that TikTok because apparently you're supposed to have a brand, and my brand is Lover of Bare naked ladies and ADHD. So the, the clips will be very sporadic. And that's Chris Period small Z with a Y. That's correct. S M-A-L-L-S-E-Y, actually. So Chris dot oh, Got it, sweet. You can also find me on Twitter at C Small201.
0: And I am E for and you can find me on Twitter at Ephraim Ellis and you can find me on Instagram at Ephraim Ellis. This has been Clothed Men Discuss Bare Naked Ladies Our cover artwork is by Jerusha Ellis. Our opening and closing theme music is by Jonathan Langdon and until next time we'll see you soon and we
1: have been been clothed clothed the entire time. time See you later pals